Hey, it's Mark, and welcome back to the table as we continue on in the book of Revelation. Um, you know, I remember a long time ago I was uh, preaching, and I told someone, I said, I really want to teach on the book of Revelation, and everybody warned me, oh, don't do that. You're going to lose people. Um, they're they're, they're going to not show up to hear what you have to say. And I can understand why. I mean, so much of what we hear is so frightening and uh, there's no hope in it. But like I've been sharing in this episode um, or these episodes is the book of Revelation is a book of hope. It's a book about the finished works of Jesus Christ or the finished work um, and what we have become in Jesus. And to me, that's extremely exciting. Uh, to understand my identity in Christ and to really dive into all that is true of me. And uh, when I renew my mind according to the truth, the lies in my in my brain can't keep me in a place of distance from God anymore. But I realize just how much he loves me and how included I was um, in this life uh, of the Godhead. Before I was ever formed, he knew me in the womb. He knew even the number of hairs I would have in my head. And that gives me hope, you know, that he knew us before we were formed, before we could have done anything right or wrong. He knew us and he loved us and his heart was unchanging for us. So I want to jump in today to talking about the throne of God. Now, when you think of thrones, immediately we think of mythical movies, um, you know, we think of courtrooms, we think of kingdoms, you know, we think of it in a very strange way uh, that was foreign to the concept of the New Testament. You know, we think about this, you know, king ruling on the throne and, you know, if his enemies get out of line, he's just going to, you know, order his armies to destroy them. Um, and that's not at all uh, the picture of the Godhead. And, and I'll explain that for a minute. Jesus is on the cross dying, and he could have ordered multitudes of angels to come and destroy everyone crucifying him, and he didn't. He chose the cross, which shows the heart of God, that he didn't choose retributive justice. He, cho he chose redemptive, restorative justice, which I've talked about in a previous episode called The Justice of God, if you want to take a look at that to understand this more. But I want to look at the throne of God and let's look at uh, Revelation 4. And after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he sat there with the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were the 24 elders clothed in white garments with crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peelings of thunder. And before the throne were the seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And it goes on to say, you know, that they 
all these living creatures, you know, declare worthy is the Lord our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Now, what's interesting about this is some of the symbols like I talked about in a previous episode, you know, there's symbols here, you know, there's a door, but it's open. It's not closed. There is a rainbow around the throne. And you have to go back and think about that. A door is open. It's not closed. It's signifying that there's no distance between God and man. That God came, even in the Christmas story, the angels are heralding the good news that it's peace on earth and goodwill towards men. That God always desired for us to have that open access to the throne of God. And when we think about the throne, we have to remember that in God's topology, the the throne was more of a mercy seat. It was more of a seat of mercy. And when Jesus takes his seat on the throne, it's powerful. You know, he sits down. He sits down when he completes his work. So, wow, that just blows me away. A wide open door in the heavenly realm. The first thing he hears was a voice addressing him. It was distinct and clear again, like I talked about in a previous episode, the sound of a trumpet that came from the death of a male ram. So from the sound of a death is declared a door is open. What does that mean? It means that in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, there's no doors at all closed in heaven, in us or in the heavenly dimension. So What we have to do then is renew our mind to what's actually true. I love the statement, come up here and I'll show you everything that coincides with what you've already seen. So that's extremely important. And you know, when they go, when he's up in this heavenly picture and he's caught up, he sees the same stuff that Moses is seeing and feeling and experiencing on the mountain whenever God comes and meets with him. And he says, God, show me your glory. And God says, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. And the people are down below the mountain and they see the lightnings and the flashings and peals of thunder and all the things we're seeing here, but they're afraid to come up. They're afraid to come to God because their minds tell them he's not good, they're not good enough, and there's distance and separation. So when we think about the white throne in Revelation chapter 20 and 11, where it says, I saw a huge white throne and it was as if heaven and earth fled away from the presence of the one who was seated upon the throne and its place was never found again. This could mean, based on the entire teaching of the Christic new covenant, that there's no accusation in heaven or upon the earth that can possibly stand in the presence of the lamb, that the one seated upon the throne of judgment of righteousness, his throne isn't a throne against us, but a testimony of for, for us that establishes the legitimacy and the authority of our right standing, our innocence and our completeness, our sanctification. So in the book of Hebrews, it says in Hebrews chapter one, having accomplished perfection of sins, he sat down. So when we think about that, we have to actually think about this, that there wasn't ever a time that God's royal rule was ever in question. It was in God, in the incarnation of Jesus, giving himself as a scapegoat to be murdered by his own creatures. He assumes a meekness and a weakness that does not compromise his authority or deity at all. It's literally what Paul would say, the foolishness of the wisdom of God is the foolishness of men. He defeats the entire system of judgment and law performance 
that govern the tree of the knowledge of good and evil by allowing himself to be slain so that he could sit down. Okay, let's go into the book of Hebrews because this is very important uh, when it comes to understanding our identity and just how secure we are in God. It's talking about Jesus says, um, it's, it's the book of Hebrews here is talking about two types of priesthood, the Old Testament type of priesthood under the law and that in Jesus's priestly ministry. And it goes on to say this, it says, he takes away the first, this is verse nine, he takes away the first, what is the first? The old covenant, the covenant that somehow we could approach God through works, through deeds, that that would be how we would gain our sense of relationship and union with the Lord. But he says this, he takes away the first, so he removes the old covenant completely out of our mindsets. And he wants us not to think about that ever again as a way to approach God. He says, by this, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So he's dealing with a one-time action and sacrifice. And then he starts to contrast it again. He says, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. So none of that stuff could take anything away from us because we were constantly reminded of it. But it says of Jesus, but he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. That is amazing. Meaning he, his offering covered everything, past, present, future for everyone who would ever be born and walk the face of the earth. And it says he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies be made a footstool. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after this saying. Now, this is extremely important because there's a shifting in the covenant. It's a shifting from being this old covenant that man had between God and man to the new Christic covenant, which is a covenant between God and God. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws upon their heart and I will, on their mind I will write them, says the Lord. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there no longer is any offering for sin. Now, it doesn't really stop there, but our Bibles put like a new, like a little title above the next part, but it's one continuous thought. He says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, full in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Then in the book of Hebrews, it would go on to give us a picture of two mountains. And he says, you know, you've not come to this mountain. He's speaking of Sinai, where the people were afraid, you know, where there's thunder and, you know, concern and they, they're terrified and their sin consciousness is telling them they can't go and be in the presence of God, even though it's the goodness of God, it's their perception. But he says, but you have come to a mountain that may be touched. So he's saying that we can come to it and it's, it's a mountain that is full of a myriad of angels and the heavenly host. 
meaning and speaking of all of those who have come out of the side of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that all of humanity has been birthed into this inclusion and that all the nations shall come unto the mountain of the Lord. So it's speaking to us to be confident. And so when John is having this vision in the book of Revelation, this is an absolutely amazing um apocalyptic language that is speaking of a new creation reality. Jesus said, I am the door. All men, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. That Jesus is the doorway in which we understand everything about God and understand everything about ourself. And there is no accusation against you in heaven, for you are called to come up to that reality for which you are seated and live from the perspective and altitude in which God sees all things. So the book of Revelation is an amazing book that speaks about our identity and encourages us. So when we think about the throne of God, we must think about the mercy seat. It's not a throne like we think, but it's a seat, a mercy seat, Jesus was our mercy seat. Where was he our mercy seat? The cross. The cross is the throne of God. The cross is where God rules and reigns. The cross is where you rule and reign. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I hope that encouraged you. Um, Feel free to like us uh, on the table on Facebook, uh, rate us on Spotify, give us a follow. And uh, if you're just jumping into this series, feel free to go back and listen to some others and uh, share with a friend. Thank you so much for listening, and I appreciate all the encouragement. I'm about to go cook dinner.